A Super Bowl champion will make the start for the Jets at quarterback Sunday. Sam Darnold is out with a shoulder injury. Joe Flacco is in. Should we be concerned with Darnold's shoulder? Also, can Flacco lead the Jets to their first win of the season when the Cardinals come to MetLife? We'll answer those questions. Plus, we'll chat with a diehard Jets fan, a great actor, and comedian, Jay Moore. Let's take flight. It's time for a brand new episode of Gangs All Here from the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome back, everybody. Gang's all here. Jake Brown here. Brian Costello, our Jets podcast on the New York Post. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts. But if you do use Apple, Give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review. Follow us on Twitter, at Jake Brown Radio, at Brian Cos. Read Cos's coverage of the Jets in the Post, in their newspaper, and at nypost.com. Joining us a little bit later in the show will be a Jets fan, comedian, and actor, Jay Moore. Looking forward to you know hearing some impressions and some laughs from him. You remember him from... The Jerry Maguire movie, of course, where he was kind of the uh, the crappy sports agent, the sleazy sports agent. Um, so we're looking forward to talking to him. But first, Kaz, lots of news in Jets land this week. Sam Darnold will not be under center when the Jets take on the Cardinals as they look to stop the 0-4 skid. It'll be the first Super Bowl champion to start at quarterback I was going to say since 2008 and Brett Favre, but Trevor Simeon did get a little spot start last year, and he was a Super Bowl champion for the Broncos. And uh, Flacco will take over, and uh, things should get a little interesting on Sunday. You think they're going to be interesting, Jake? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, feels like to me a continuation of this season, the way it's been going. Um, I'm not sure how much. Flacco has left. I guess we'll find out. You know, it's been he didn't really uh he didn't practice at all in training camp. So I didn't really get to see him practice. Didn't get a feel for it. He what he played. He threw four four plays last week, something like that. When when Darnold was out against the Broncos. Didn't have a great season last year when he was in Denver before he injured his neck. Had neck surgery this spring that kept him out until uh, last week. So we'll see what Flacco has to offer. Obviously, he was uh, once a, a very good quarterback in this league with Baltimore, but that's a long time ago. Now, eight years ago was the Super Bowl. So I'm not sure how this will go. And, you know, beyond Darnold, Jake, the Jets have just have still have a ton of injuries on offense where, you know, Mekhi Becton didn't practice on Wednesday, and I'm, I don't think he's going to play. Denzel Mims eligible to come off IR this week, but he's not. So you won't see him. Rashad Perriman's still not practicing. They will get Le'Veon Bell back, I believe, for Sunday. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure what to expect from this offense. The Cardinals' defense, not great. We know what Kyler Murray can do, and that could be a tough matchup for the offense. But, uh, you know, I just – I don't know how interesting how interesting this will be, Jake, at 0-4. It doesn't feel like much will be interesting the rest of the season. Uh, the year is 2020. The Jets quarterback is Joe Flacco, and the Jets running back is Le'Veon Bell. I mean, if this were like 2012 – or no, if this was, say, like 2015, you'd be like, hell yes. But the year is 2020, and Le'Veon Bell has just looked awful. He got hurt. He was awful last year. He's going to be behind a beleaguered offensive line. Let's start on that injury front. Let's start with Darnold because we talked about this last week where I was personally concerned that they brought him back so quickly. It seems like he went to the locker room. Maybe they gave him a shot of something, and uh, that got his shoulder in a better position to come back in. He was eager to come back in. He wanted to, but now he's in a position where he can't even practice this week. 
And it bothers me a little bit here because how did he play the rest of that game? And now it's a week-to-week situation where it might be yet a third season in a row where he could miss, you know, two, three games. We don't know the extent of it. But isn't it troubling that he was back in that game and now he's out this week? Yeah, I understand the the thought, Jake. But, I mean, the doctors uh, that I've heard from say, you know, they didn't do anything wrong. It's pretty common to give a guy a shot and let him go back in the game. I'm sure he had a shot. He hasn't said that, but I'm sure he got some kind of painkiller. You know, we they won't tell us what grade the sprain is, the AC sprain. If it's a grade one sprain, there's really no risk in putting him back in the game. Uh, it's not going to get worse from playing. If it was greater than a, gr- a grade one sprain, then there's some issue there. But we don't. I don't think. I don't just don't think he could have gone back in the game if it was more than a grade one. You know, the thing is, when the painkiller wears off and you wake up the next morning, you're in a lot of pain. And that was the case for Sam. I think he's still in a lot of pain. So I think that, you know they're being smart here and. and being cautious and not playing him. I, I'm going to guess, Jake, if this was the Super Bowl on Sunday, he'd be playing. You know, they would shoot him up to get him through this game. I think you could do that. But, you know, obviously it's not the Super Bowl. It's Jets-Cardinals uh, in, in October. You know, I think I understand the thought. I don't think they screwed up there. The Becton one troubles me a little bit more because Becton wasn't good enough to start. So the, and then they put him in. That one to me stinks a little bit more. Uh, they, you know, they say they didn't do any damage to him, but you know, he's not practicing now. I wonder if he hadn't played last week, if, if he might be able to practice this week. So if you're going to look at those two injuries, the Becton one to me is the one where they maybe screwed up a little bit more. Yeah. And Becton, he's Mr. Smiley. They showed him on the sidelines and he was almost in tears. It looked like last week. I mean, you saw yes. him, he was kind of massaging his shoulder and feeling up on it. Yeah. And that's a guy who's all smiles. So to see him like that, concerns you because a rookie's obviously going to say I'm good I'm good I'm good but I mean just like you said I think the Jets might have fumbled that and this that could be a situation to monitor week to week as well I mean you know if Joe Flacco you know a guy who's not known to be mobile at all especially at this age is without Makai Becton and he's got Fant moving around he's got Chumo Doga in there uh, I mean, Flacco could end up on his ass a lot on Sunday. Yeah, and it was funny. I saw someone on Twitter put a picture, the picture you're talking about, Jake, of Becton looking down on the sideline and saying, you know, damn you, Jets, you've ruined the the, the <laughs> happiest guy in the NFL. <laughs> you've already sucked yeah. the life out of him. Yeah, I, I suspect that they're probably going to try to move George Fan to left tackle. They haven't said that, but I, I think that's probably what they'll do. Remember, when they signed George Fant, they thought he could play left or right. Obviously, when they drafted Beckton, they moved him to right tackle. And then moved Chuma Adoga to right tackle. I think he's better suited for that. You know, it seems like every week, every team the Jets play has a good pass rusher. The Jets, of course, don't have one. But every team they play has one. And this week is Chandler Jones, who could cause some problems for the Jets. And Joe, Joe Flacco, like you said, he's not known for his movement skills. So he's going to have to get the ball out quick. I'm sure that's going to be the plan, which will drive Jets fans crazy. Because getting the ball out quick means a lot of short passes. And not stretching it down the field, which I thought they would try to do this week if they had Perriman and Mims back. But without them, you know, again, I'm not sure who you're throwing to down the field. So it could be another offensive mess for the Jets this week. Yeah, and you had a good story in the post this week that if Darnold were to play, that they'd kind of have to let him, you know, unleash himself, unleash the uh, deep ball Darnold. Uh, That would be the new nickname. Last in the NFL at 5.7 yards per attempt, 128 pass attempts, only 17 of those. Uh, and I, the mental math I can't do in my head. My mom would be mad being a math teacher. I should know uh, that mental math. I think it's somewhere around 15%. Uh, 17 have been more than 20 yards down the field. So like you said, a lot of check down options, a lot of options thrown back to the line of scrimmage. They really need Le'Veon Bell to kind of return to Pro Bowl form. Unfortunately, I mean, we could almost lock in. That's not going to happen, especially without Becton in there. You can't draw plays 
on the left side and hope that Fant is going to get the job done switching over. Um, obviously, he's played both sides before, but you know this is a beleaguered offensive line. It's a team without you know Mims, like you said. We thought he would be back. It was excited to see him. I want to see what this kid has got, and he's probably not going to be out there. Perriman's not out there, so it's another week where you're relying on who, who cause is it Vincent Smith? Is it Smith and Smith and uh, some more Jamison Crowder? Yeah. I, I mean, I think Vincent Smith will have a role, but I, I think Jeff Smith will start again. Chris Hogan Crowder, you know, Vincent Smith is a guy who has some speed and they could do some, you know, they might be able to do some like jet sweep, some reverse. I know you love the reverse Jake. They, they ran a reverse with him last year against the Eagles and scored a touchdown. You know, he's got some speed so they could do some things with him and Vincent practiced in training camp and then got hurt. He knows the offense. He was here last year. Uh, the thing with Mims now that that you start to really worry about Jake is he's had like two practices. I think like he didn't practice at all in camp. Then came back. Then got hurt. he hurt the other hamstring. He's a rookie. The knock on him coming out of Baylor was like he didn't run the full route tree. He was going to have to take a while to adjust to NFL coverages. And now, how are they ever going to get him up to speed with missing all this time? You, you really need to start like this could be just a wash his rookie season. I, I think. When they get him out there, he's going to be one-dimensional. He's going to be run as fast as you can down the field, and we'll chuck it up to you a few times a game. But beyond that, I'm not sure what they're going to be able to do with him. Um, so, you know, Joe Douglas's draft class, it, it's way too soon to make any judgments on it, good or bad, but just so many injuries, Jake. You know, Becton's out. Mims is out. Ashton Davis, we haven't seen Jabari Zaniga yet, who's – I think he he's practiced for the first time Wednesday. Cameron Clark is hurt, the fourth-round pick. Bryce Hall, obviously, the fifth-round pick is hurt. The only guy who's been out there consistently is Braden Mann, the punter, who might be the Jets' best tackler we saw, too, last week, Jake. Yeah, I mean, get your get your man jerseys. That's going to be the number one selling <laughs> jerseys for the Jets. I mean, that's really the state of the team that – the punter is really the MVP. And, you know, I talked about Sam Ficken and the Jets having a kicker problem. He has probably been the least of the problems. He's been he's been their biggest scorer, you could yeah, say. Yeah, the biggest, the biggest problem is you see him too much. Yeah, we'd like to see more uh, a touchdown celebrations. We're yeah. seeing kicker celebrations, which our Blue Rush host, Lawrence Tynes, would love. But we do not here uh, in Jets land. So um, it's going to be a lot of kicker and punter, that's for sure. Everyone who watches the Jets. Yeah, too much special teams here. And, uh, you know, it's... It's alarming, and it's alarming, too, going back to Darnold, that, you know, he's missed three games his first year with a foot injury. Missed three, obviously, mono. You can't – I mean, that just happens. That's an unfortunate situation. And now this, the shoulder injury – Durability is a question, and third year, this was the year you kind of you got to put your caps on, your thinking caps, and really analyze Sam Darnold with Trevor Lawrence being a realistic possibility if this team keeps losing. Now you're, you have more games taken out from under him and another injury. Does that concern you, the durability, or is it just, you know, unfortunate situations here? The durability doesn't concern me too much, Jake, because, you know, the, the mono thing you can just throw out, that was a freak thing. He played, he's played through some injuries now, like he, he, he was banged up last year after the mono with his thumb, he had a knee, and he played through it. He obviously played last Thursday night. He's a tough guy, so I'm not worried about the durability as much. See, the other point you made, to me, this season was always going to be all about evaluating Sam Darnold, right? That was going to be the big thing. You know, no one thought this team was going to the playoffs or, or anything like that. They thought they'd be better than 0-4. Now that you are 0-4, it's really about evaluating Sam Darnold because this Trevor Lawrence thing, it went from, like, I was asked about in the spring and kind of chuckled, aha, like, they're not going to go at 16. Well, <laughs> I'm starting to think they might go at 16 and might get the number one pick. Or, you know, if they go they go one in 15, get the number one pick. So the Lawrence thing is real. And I think you want as much data, if you're Joe Douglas, as much data as you can on Sam Darnold, see as many games as you can before you make that call that you're going to pull the plug on Sam Darnold and start this thing all over with Trevor Lawrence. And now him potentially missing games, 
you're going to lose that. If it's one game, it's not that big of a deal. If this goes three, four weeks or something like that, Jake, then then you're talking about a big deal. Yeah, if it goes three, you know, three games, that's his third straight season starting off his career missing at least three games. And the Jets are 0-6 when Sam Darnold is not on the field. They have not had uh, a Nick Foles-like situation where a backup has stepped in and done well. Maybe Joe Flacco returns to 2012 form. Listen, I mean, he, he was two for two with 16 yards last week uh, before they pulled him. Uh, so he had two nice passes. Uh, otherwise, he has not done much. He had six touchdowns, five picks last year in limited time. Again, you like you talked about injuries, took over. He's the first Super Bowl champion. They had Simeon and then Brett Favre in 2008 as Super Bowl champion quarterbacks. Luke Falk did nothing last year. Um, was actually just you had to like pull your eyes out trying to watch Luke Falk be a quarterback last year. So going into Sunday's game here, let's let's break it down. Kyler Murray, second season. The guy is just a wizard out there, Kaz. He's already got 265 rushing yards, uh, four touchdowns, 544 in his rookie year last year. I'm scared that he might run for 150 against this Jets defense. He could do so much with the football. He could find the middle of the field. I mean, the guy has a cannon of an arm, and he runs like a madman, and he knows how to slide, something that we might not see a lot of from Joe Flacco. Being the baseball player that he is and the guy that could steal bases, he probably has the most smooth slide for a quarterback um, as he avoids getting hit. So I'm worried that uh, he's going to take off against this Jets defense. Yeah, you should be. You know, I, I think he's a better runner than he is a passer at this point in his career. I don't think his, his passing numbers are great, but he has DeAndre Hopkins, who is great, and I'm not sure who that's going to cover him for the Jets. Pierre Desir versus DeAndre Hopkins does not feel like a good matchup to me. Uh, I think the key for the Jets is keeping this guy in the pocket. And they struggled to do that in week one with Josh Allen, who also likes to run the ball. I think you have to be worried about that, keeping him in the pocket. And the slide, the, the point you made about sliding, Jake, is interesting. The Jets have been terrible with hitting the quarterback late, right? We saw that last week, six personal fouls. You know, Quinnen got called, Basham got called. They, they, they keep hitting the quarterback late. Well, this guy, he's such a good slide slider because of his baseball experience. He slides really, really late. What ha- ends up happening is guys just kind of end up falling on him, defenders, because they're so close and they're about to tackle him that they can't pull up and they get flagged. So I could see that happening for sure on Sunday. The Jets are going to have to be really disciplined about not hitting him once he gets once he starts sliding and giving him some room. Um, so yeah, this that could be this could be trouble. I mean, Greg Williams' defense has been really disappointing this year, Jake. I think you expected the offensive struggles, but the defense has been has matched them pretty much of being just as bad. And last Thursday against Denver, I really thought the defense lost the game for them you know, with all these penalties. So they got to clean that up this week. Yeah, the personal fouls really hurt him last week. And, you know, Greg Williams and Adam Gase might have to implement the Joe Judge lap rules, uh, you know, in practice coming up. If if they have more of those, I could see that happening where he slides and a guy just falls and it's a penalty. It's it's bound to happen. All right, let's make our picks. I'm, I'm going to go with the Cardinals here. I mean, ob- it's pretty obvious. Joe Flacco, too many injuries. The Jets have just shown no life that they could really turn this thing around. They lost to just a terrible Broncos team last week. I'm going to say Flacco, I think he's a veteran and will put up some points. So I'm going to go Cardinals 27-17. I know the spread right now, the Cardinals are seven-point favorites. I'm not that comfortable betting because maybe the Jets get a you know garbage-time touchdown. Um, but I think it'll be 27-17. The over-under is 47. So the, the only way it really hits that if, it's, if the Cardinals just have a offensive barrage which you know is don't don't think it's far from possible from happening if Kyler runs away so I'll say Cardinals 27 Jets 17. 
I'm with you. I think the Cardinals win. I think it's going to be closer than that. I do think the Jets could cover the six and a half number. Uh, to me, it's like Cardinals by five. Let's go, you know, 28-23 Cardinals, something like that. I think Flacco will will get some points. I just think, you know, this Jets defense, I, I just can't figure out how they're going to stop Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins. Really, he's the one, Jake. I think DeAndre Hopkins could could light it up for any fantasy owners that have Hopkins. You're going to be, I think, happy this week. Yeah, who who is covering him? Is it Pierre Desir? What's going on there? Well, I mean, the Jets really don't have a follow corner right now. I think they just kind of play sides. And, you know, the problem for them is Bless Austin might not even play this week. Uh, he, he's got a calf injury, and he was he didn't practice Wednesday. So now you're talking about Pierre Desir and the other Lamar Jackson starting at the other cornerback, you know, so um, who's an undrafted free agent. So, and the thing is, Jake, it's not even about man-to-man right now with the Jets. They're playing so much zone. It's incredible because Williams just doesn't trust these cornerbacks at all. So they're just playing a soft zone and people are finding holes in it and just running wild. And, um, you know, I remember Hopkins killing the Jets a couple of years ago with the Texans. And uh, I, I definitely could see that happening again. Yeah. Watch out for Christian Kirk and UMass is own Andy Isabella this week against the Jets. It should be interesting. All right. So we're taking the Cardinals. The Jets probably fall to 0 and 5. We're going to debut a new segment now. We're going to call it Brian's Book, where Brian Costello tells you a story from his days. As a beat writer, this is the first installment. And, Kaz, I know you got a story this week about the Ryan brothers. So take it away, Kaz. Yeah, good old Rexy. Um, you know, things didn't end greatly between great between me and Rex when he was fired in 2014. I went up uh, – it started, I guess, I went up for his press conference in Buffalo, and I asked him a question about why anyone in Buffalo should believe he's a good coach since he had gone four years without making the playoffs and four years without a winning season. He didn't like that question too much. And he kind of bristled that day, but it was about a month and a half later where I was at the Combine and saw him. And he said something to me briefly. I saw him outside of his press conference and he said something to me. And then I saw him later that night in a bar in Indianapolis and he was with his brother, Rob, who everyone knows is the crazy, the wild man, Rob. And uh, I walked over and to his table and said hello to him. And he met me with some expletives. And then Rob started yelling at me that I better get the blank out of there. Uh, or, you know, he was going to kick my you know what? It's a tough story to tell Jake without swearing. He Rex was mad at me for the question. He said I ruined his press conference, but he was also mad at me. And this is this is the life of covering, uh, you know, a beat writer. Uh, they he was mad at me because we ran a story in the post about his house being for sale in New Jersey after he was fired, and the headline said something like about the exorbitant price of Rex Ryan's house. And he was very mad that we made it sound like he asked too much money for the house. And he was yelling at me about how many offers they got on the house. So we yelled at each other. I was mad at him for the way, you know, I thought he leaked some stuff to another reporter on his way out the door. So I was yelling at him. Rob was yelling at me. I basically told Rob to shut up and told Rex to tell him to shut up. And this was between us because Rex and I had had plenty of go rounds when he was the coach. And uh, one of the Buffalo writers was sitting there watching this whole thing, wondering what his life was about to become. So Rex and I just shouted at each other for a while. And, you know, then we kind of reached an agreement where we we were okay with each other and we you know we, we kind of made up so we were fine and then the next it was funny because i guess it was the next the next year i think the next year at the combine indianapolis has all these walkways that connect the hotels to the convention center and you're always in these walkways and i i came through one end of the walk, walkway and the two of them walked through the other end so i immediately dropped my bag and started running in the opposite direction which they loved so you know the the combine jake is like a uh I don't know. It's it's this this combination of like convention of the NFL, spring break of the NFL, 
it's a wild scene uh, in these bars at night with all these people. And, uh, you know, Rex covering Rex was always interesting. Rex read everything. Rex knew everything that was written. Rex would, you know, he would get bothered by it. So uh, that was my experience with the Ryan brothers. And I, you know, there was a second there where I thought Rob Ryan might throw me through the window of a bar in Indianapolis. Wow. What a juicy story. All we needed was the, the TMZ video crew there and the world star yeah. video to uh, get out there of, you know, one of them throwing your punch at you. Surprisingly, no one took a Yeah. No one was taking video of it. This was 2015, I guess. But yeah, today, maybe if everyone would be taking video of it. Uh, and it was funny because uh, one of the Bills beat writers later in the night was like, what the heck was that? Because they, they were just getting their introduction to Rex. <laughs> so basically it was just a shouting match. There were no punches thrown. Yeah, there were no punches thrown. No, there were no punches thrown. We were just yelling at each other. And, and you know, Rob was yelling at me. Uh, and Rob, I, Rob and I, I didn't really know Rob that well. I knew him a little bit. But, you know, Rex and I, it wasn't that uncommon for us to have disagreements and yell at each other. But, you know, this one was um, – and, you know, Rex was on the podcast last year. We're fine now. Rex and I are good. Um, I talk to Rex every once in a while. But that was a, an interesting night in Indianapolis. Well, I can't wait to have Rex back on and react to this night and that story because <laughs> now we got to hear his side of the story. Uh, yeah. So, so that is the first edition of Brian's Book with Brian Costello. Joining me now is a former Jets wide receiver. He played there from 1992 through 1994. He's a Syracuse product. He holds a lot of Syracuse wide receiver records, and he's a guy who knows me from my days at WGBB in Long Island, where he once came to Long Island to co-host a show with me in West Babylon, where the signal was bad outside of the studio. I mean, the signal was you know better by the water than it was in the parking lot. Uh, an absolute dumpster fire, but now he's here on Gangs All Here with the New York Post. It's Rob Carpenter. You can follow him on Twitter at Rob Carpenter 81 He's a good follow. Rob, talk about the glow up. It's like when I had a receding hairline and shaved it, and then I got bald and got more girls when I was bald than I had a receding hairline. Hey, man, you joined the crowd, man. Bald is the thing, man. <laughs> yeah, bald, is, bald and dad bods. Is, it should be in right now. That's the thing. I like to say I have a, da- have a dad bod, but I'm not a dad. You know, you're a good <laughs> follow on Twitter, and we ran and rave about the Jets in the past, and it's just, you know, just another year, man. And uh, a lot of frustrations. Adam Gay still the coach. Seems like he'll be here at least for a little while longer. Uh, let's start there. What do you think about Gase and the decision to keep him? Me personally, man, it was, first of all, the wrong wrong person to hire from the very beginning. And, you know, it's basically just played out. I, I don't think I knew one person who was on the the Gates bandwagon too, for him to be hired. There was plenty of other choices. And even though they had the, the run at the end of last season, just the way this season started, it's basically just how Gates operates. You know, he's, he's not a coach to adapt his system to whoever he has running the system. He just wants everybody to adapt to him. You know, it's, it's playing out the way everybody thought it would play out, man. He's not really a good uh, communicator, and, you know, it's shown on the field. Well, it's interesting because you went through a coaching change with the Jets when Bruce Coslett was gone and then Pete Carroll took over, right? What what was that transition like? Did, did that inspire the troop? Did that inspire you guys when they made that change? And obviously, I mean, talk about Pete Carroll then at 6-10 and 10 versus now being a Super Bowl champion head coach, one of the best coaches to do it, I mean, what a change it's been. You you got him early on in '94. Yeah, we did. But um, the one thing that was different is Pete was already on the staff, so 
So most of us already knew him and knew what his, his coaching style was about. You know, he was a defense coordinator, so we knew what he, for us offensive guys, we knew what he was going to be like um, as far as being a motivating guy. He just one of those rah-rah guys, you know, he tries to keep everybody up. That was his first head coaching stint, so, you know, it took him a little while uh, to, to come around and, and get his legs under him. He had to go back to college for a little while, which, you know, that worked out well for him at USC. And you see the success he's had from, you know, his second go-around in the NFL. You know, for that was just a little different. Um, if, if a change is made now, the only thing I could see happening is, you know, it would be an interim thing. And the only person on the staff that I think would probably be able to take over is Greg Williams. I don't think a whole lot would change as far as the guy's, you know, attitudes, um, unless they came up with the offense coordinator who changed a lot around and adapted to what the, the guys can, can do. Of course, winning <laughs> cures everything. So if they start winning some games, you know, things, things would be a little different, but not a whole lot. What was Pete Carroll like back then? He's 69, nice, years old now. And, you know, 1994, what? He was 40, he was around 43, 44 years old. I mean, I already look at him as a full-of-life, energetic guy in his older age now. What was 44-year-old Pete Carroll like? That's exactly what he was like, man. He was full of life. You know, Pete was that guy. Like I said, he's that rah-rah guy. He, he's a he's a pump-it-up guy, man. He um Like, we did a lot of unorthodox things as, as teams, you know. We went out and, and competed in bowling. Um, we had basketball games. Um, you know, Pete was one of those guys that would be on the plane and just – cracking jokes and enjoying himself man he was just that type of guy so a lot of guys actually were familiar and, and you know it was, it was fun when i'm being around it's just that when you when you take over as the head coach it's a lot more responsibility so you know him as a defense coordinator in, in 92 <laughs> you know starting in you know Pete was a fun guy to be around he, he kept the defense up defense was actually pretty good a lot of older guys on the team then but you know the guys that were there the veterans man everybody would talk highly of Pete, man i don't think there's not one guy that would say anything I mean, you know, too negative about what, what Pete was about. He's a guy, he's a player's coach. So it, it was a little different transitioning from, from Bruce to him. But, you know, because Bruce wasn't that rah-rah guy. Bruce was just the, the X's and O's guy, try to make you pay attention to detail. And he just let the defensive guys uh, coach the defense. He, he went on about his offense. So, But Pete is the same. He's the same guy. You know, back then that he is now. Well, I'm curious if they kept him. You know, one year there, obviously the team wasn't very good, but Rich Kotai comes in and, you know, 4 and 28, just brutal before Parcells kind of turns the franchise around. But I, I mean, do you ever think about that? What if Pete Carroll stayed on as Jets coach and maybe for years, uh, maybe that changes the franchise? It probably would change a lot if Pete had success. Um, because, again, yeah, you wouldn't have Kotai, probably wouldn't even have Parcells. So there probably wouldn't have been a, a, a Belichick, you know, fiasco right away when, when Parcells was leaving. <laughs> Things were, were would probably be a lot different in the Jets franchise uh, right now. But, you know, Peter's had his successes when he when he left. You know, you see where he is and you see where the Jets are right now. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of what ifs. What if, I, what if I didn't eat all the chicken parm that I eat? Maybe I'd be skinnier than I was and have some ass. <laughs> what if I went to the gym more often? A lot of what ifs when it comes – to this Jets franchise. And, you know, one of those big what ifs, Rob, is Sam Darnold. I mean, the question of Trevor Lawrence is going to keep coming up as this team keeps losing and gets closer to, you know, being that first pick in the draft. Where are you on Darnold? Do you think it's going to take more time? Obviously, he's going to miss probably a couple games here. Uh, where are you on Darnold? Do you think he is the quarterback of the future? Um, before the season, I would have said yes. Uh, and the only reason why I said that, say that is because he would have had a chance to prove a lot of people wrong being in the system for another year. It's unfortunate for him. He's had to change systems already three times, uh, you know, being so young. And that's tough. 
that's really tough on a, on a, on a young quarterback, especially when you were thrust into the position right away. It's going to be tough if Gase is gone because I know the new head coach coming in is going to want to bring in some of his own guys. And if the Jets are stay as terrible as they are and they end up having the number one pick, of course, it's going to be everyone is going to be talking about Trevor Lawrence. And that's a real possibility that uh, the new coach is going to want to bring him in and, and have him as his guy. So it's unfortunate for Sam that he's had to go through this transition, you know, a couple of times. But, you know, if he had played, I think, up to the potential that everybody thinks that he has, the story would be different. And I'm, I'm not saying it's all on him because, you know, he hasn't had the greatest coach. Going from his first year to his second year to his third year, there's been a, a regression. It's not been a progression for him. So it's, it's unfortunate for him. But things can change if he actually comes back healthy and he plays well for the rest of the year. Well, things will get really interesting, Rob, if, you know, they don't have the first pick. Say Trevor Lawrence is gone, Darnold is playing like he's been playing, then you're in a situation like, all right, first off, you got to bring in competition. You got to bring in some veteran, uh, Nick Foles-like quarterback, someone who's been there and done that and has had some experience because they have had no competition with them. Since they traded Teddy Bridgewater away, they have had zero competition uh, behind him, no guy that could threaten him to take the job. No guy to really push him. I mean, maybe now you look at Joe Flacco being that guy, but he's kind of over the hill. They haven't had that guy, so that's one thing they're going to have to do, but they're going to be in a really tricky spot, Rob, if they don't get that first pick because you might be forced to have Darnold be your quarterback. Maybe a new coach helps, um, but, I mean, we can all agree on one thing. They surely need a lot more talent, and that's not just in the draft. That's the $30 million under the cap that they got. They got to get actual receivers and maybe even tight end help since Chris Herndon hasn't looked good. They they got a couple of cheaper options at receiver. They didn't go out and get the big receiver, but Joe Douglas has a lot of work to do because you can't have another year with him having no talent around him, and I'm sick of that excuse, but it is a valid excuse because the talent around him has been so much worse than most of the other teams in the league. You're right. Um, Joe Douglas does have a lot of a lot of work to do. Um, the one thing that he has under his belt at the moment is the fact that they have a couple of first-round picks over the next few years that he can use as leverage if, like you said, the Jets don't end up with the first pick. So if they really wanted to get Trevor Lawrence, they can use that as collateral for a trade-up. <laughs> In all honesty, I don't see them being very far off of the first pick, even though there's, you know, you got the Giants who are just as bad. But he has that in the bank for for, for use for later on. But you're right. He has to he has to change the roster around. They've got to bring in some talent. They need a pass rusher. They need a few receivers. They may end up needing uh, another running back after this year. Who knows what's going to go on? They need cornerbacks too. Their cornerbacks are brutal. They need they need some some defensive back help. Um, so there's there's help that they need all across the board. The only thing I can say that he did was improve on the offensive line just a bit during this offseason. But those are basically all one year deals except for Makai. Makai is going to be Makai is that guy. He, he made the right call. With Makai Becton, that's the one positive that I could say that he's done so far, along with actually, you know, getting compensation uh, in trades. I mean, he's done pretty well with that. So, you know, it's, it's going to be telling by the last three or four games of this year if Gates is still here and uh, what's going on with the roster. By that time, you know, they'll be so far out of it. The young guys need to be playing so they can see what they actually have if their young guys are healthy. So a guy like P. Ryan needs to be playing. The other receivers, if they're actually on the on the roster still, they need to be playing and, and healthy. They have to see what they actually have before they go out and actually uh, start, you know, drafting and trying to sign free agents. And that should take place in the later half of the season, um, if not earlier. But Joe Douglas does have his work cut out for him, man. I, I fully agree with you, and I don't think anybody else would, would disagree with that at all because Jets roster is pretty much a dumpster fire. 
Yeah, and you know he's bald, so he's got to be good. <laughs> Let's hope that the bald, uh, you know, the bald across the board. Cos is bald. You're bald. I'm bald. We're all Joe Douglas is bald. Uh, bald is taking over. Last one for you, Rob. Before we let you go, uh, where are you as a former Jets player on this franchise? I feel like Cos. We, me and Cos, were talking about this last week. How a lot of Jets fans and former players. You know, some of them are just giving up. They don't. They don't watch. They don't watch every week. They can't stand the losing. It's hard to watch. Are you still all in on this team? Do you watch every game? Are you frustrated and got to turn the TV off a lot of times? Where are you with the team that you used to play for? It's not a fun thing. Uh, I can tell you that right now. Um, you probably won't catch me in any more Jets gear. <laughs> so that's that, that, that's where I start at. But I do watch because I actually want to see what's going on. And you know, I have my own uh, little podcast that I do during the week. So. Um, it just, you know, I, I need that information to see what's going on for during the games. But it also, I am interested to see what's going on. And I'm just like all the other former players, man. Trust me, nobody's actually happy about what's going on with the team. Um, everybody's frustrated with, with what they see. I talk to, you know, plenty of guys enough. And you're right, a bunch of guys actually don't even watch anymore, especially this year. You know, there's no fans in the stadium, so guys aren't even interested in what's going on. They knew the team wasn't going to be very good. Nobody was on Gase's bandwagon. So, you know, I just pretty much just wait until the season's over to see what's going to go on uh, and if the, the Johnsons make the right call to, to get this thing straight. Well, Rob, uh, you know, it started at in West Babylon in a dump of a studio, and look where we are now. I'm in my bedroom. You're home. We're in a <laughs> pandemic. The world's, like, ending. Rob Carpenter, follow him on Twitter, at Rob Carpenter 81 He played for the Jets. 92 to 94 under a younger Pete Carroll. Rob, always great catching up with you, man. Hope all is well, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, same to you, Jake. I'll catch up with you, man. And that ends episode 40, the James Hasty edition of Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Alex Camerata for helping me out and producing the show. As you wrap the show up, do us a favor and go to Apple Podcasts, write in a positive review, and give us a five-star rating. For Brian Costello, I'm Jake Brown. We return on Monday following the Jets matchup at MetLife against the Cardinals. Something's got to give, right? Enjoy the game, folks, and as always, stay safe.